ACAC's upcoming annual convention and legislative summit is not just about advocacy. Join us for sessions focused on federal market opportunities, workforce and employee retention, technology innovation, and financial management. These sessions are tailored to give you information you need to help your firm succeed in a complex and competitive marketplace. Visit our website for a full schedule of sessions and register today. I look forward to seeing you in June. Welcome to Engineering Influence podcast from the American Council of Engineering Companies. Now today we're focusing in on our upcoming Engineering Excellence Awards program that's just roughly four weeks away from the time that we're recording this. And we're talking to HDR, who's not only a diamond sponsor of the event, they also have three projects that they're going to be getting an award for. It's two honor projects and one grand project and very excited to be joined by the project teams and some of the clients on those award-winning projects. And to start off, I want to go to a grand award-winning project, which is in South Carolina with the South Carolina Ports Authority. It's the Hugh Leatherman Terminal uh, Phase 1 Site Development. Uh, won a grand award, and to join us to talk about this, we have Andrew Thies of HDR, and we have uh, Butch Weber with the South Carolina Ports Authority. And I uh, want to appreciate, I, number one, I appreciate you guys taking some time out of your uh, schedule today to talk. And um, really want to talk about this project because I was there for the judging. And I will tell you that this got a lot of conversation because when we're talking about economic value and impact, not only to a city or a state, but we're talking about a regional economic impact, something like this project. Uh, is, is tremendous, and, and they kept on going back to the importance uh, that this, this, this entire project and the vision for it going forward is going to mean for the state for jobs and opportunity. So really to start off, I, I really want to uh, 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 you know, open it up and, and start, uh, start with Andrew to talk about the project itself and you know, how HDR got involved and, and uh, you know, tell us a little bit about the project and, 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 and what HDR's role was in with uh, uh, getting it done. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Jeff. Yeah, really proud to be a, a grand award uh, winner and nominee here for the project. It's, it's super exciting. If I could, I'd like to take a little step back and talk a little bit about history of Charleston. And, and it's very evident when you work there in the town it's known as the Holy City for all its church spires, and it's just got a tremendous amount of history. And, and the project really plays into that. So I just want to mention a few things. I was looking at some of the largest cities in the country back in 1800, and actually Charleston was one of the top five largest cities in the country with New York, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Boston, and Charleston. And if you think about that, all five of those cities are port cities and some of the biggest cities that develop in our in our country and really in the world are, are port cities uh, it's got a wonderful natural protected harbor and it, it's it's a great uh, spot 
for continued port development. So the, the HLT project goes all the way back. Well, some of the uh, four, four, uh, the history of it, the, the, the forebodings of the project would be like the Ravenel Bridge. You know, the, the city leaders, they had a great vision to raise that bridge and build that iconic Ravenel Bridge through, through the city back in 2002, 2005. And also you had the Harbor Deepening Project, which took the whole ship channel down to 52 feet, which was just completed in 2022. That was a 12-year project, took a lot of money from the state and from the federal government with Senator Leatherman, who the, the namesake of the terminal, working to secure about $300 million for that deepening project. Both of those projects had to happen in order for the HLT project to get developed where it is upriver of the Ravenel Bridge on the ship channel. So th all of that work has enabled South Carolina to just flourish economically. When you think of some of the businesses like BMW, Michelin, Boeing, some of the big major employers that have come to the region, they come there not only for the, the uh, workforce and the quality of life, but also because there's a port there to get their goods in and out. So when you talk about logistics and the importance of, of, of a, a port city like Charleston to the worldwide economics and, and logis logistics, it's really pretty amazing. It, it takes a lot of civic leaders with a lot of vision. And I know HLT alone took over 20 years of development and we actually are fortunate enough to have one of the guys that was there almost since the very beginning, uh, and that's Butch Weber, who who has given a lot of his life to seeing this this project get done. And I know he's super proud. I'm super proud to have been able to work with Butch. And so with that, let me hand it over to him. You know, Charleston is a port town. It always has been uh, and, it, and it always will be. Uh, this is the first port terminal to open since 2009. I mean, just the scale and scope of this project is massive. What does it mean to you and what does it mean to the city? Well, I mean, for me personally, it's huge. Like Andy said, I've had the privilege of working here since 2007. You know, when we first broke ground on the terminal, um, I was involved in those early site preparation projects. Um, so for me, it was, you know, it, it was a huge day in March uh, 2021 when that first uh, truck pulled in with the container on it. That's a day that I will not forget anytime soon. Um, and, you know, for the city, it, it is a huge impact for us. And like Andy said, it, it is one piece, you know, of the larger puzzle for the Ports Authority. And, and this terminal, you know, along with all of our other terminals, we have, you were talking about the impact, Jeff, you know, our um, economic impact on the state of South Carolina is $63 billion just through the Ports Authority. One in every 10 jobs directly or indirectly is related to the ports business maritime, you know, in Charleston. Um, the wages for the maritime workforce about 35% more, you know, than the average wage for a family in the state of South Carolina. So all of those things go into the Port Authority and are going to, you know, they're going to benefit the local citizens, plus everybody else in the state, in the region. And, you know, on the impact thing, this, this number always amazes me, but 
for the economic impact of $63 billion here in the low country area, which you know are the counties along the coast and the southern part of the state, that impact is less than $8 billion. But in the upstate, about as far away in South Carolina as you can get from our terminal, that impact there is like $33 billion. So, yeah, you know, so it, it shows that it's not just a benefit to this local region, this little corridor around us. It, it extends through the state and beyond, you know, our state's borders. Absolutely. The one thing that we find when it comes to uh, intermodal and logistics and, and port operations is that the, the effect, the downstream secondary and tertiary economic effects are, are widespread and run deep uh, beyond the initial uh, coastal areas uh, and communities there. Uh, you know, what does it mean? I guess you know, let's start again uh, from the from the Ports Authority's perspective of having this project win one of the the, the grand award, uh, the high one of the highest award categories that we have with with, with really it's outside of Grand Conceptor that that grand award is the highest. Uh, with the Engineering Excellence Awards, what does it mean for the authority to be able to be recognized like that? It's significant for us. You know, our, our engineering group at the Port Authority, we're, we're pretty small. We're like seven strong, you know, and we have a large capital project. And I think this just sheds light on, you know, the um, some of the projects that we have going. A lot of people don't realize um, what the Port Authority undertakes and the amount of money that's pumped back in you know, to the state just with our, you know, if you just take our capital projects alone, we have a very significant capital program. You know, when we, when we finish phase one of HLT, we haven't stopped building. We're, you know, we're right now, we're building the next two container blocks in HLT, getting ready for future growth. We've also jumped right into an intermodal rail yard that's going to be, you know, connected to the terminal with a, a one mile private drainage road. So we'll have near dock rail to the terminal. Yeah, that's another $550 million plus investment, you know, in this area. And that will benefit. Um, we have we have two inland rail terminals. So this will provide, you know, very quick connectivity to our inter intermodal rail facilities served by Norfolk Southern and CSX. Keeps a lot of trucks off the road. So it's benefits, you know, to the cities too around us. 25% uh, of our containers typically leave by rail. So with HLT being within a mile of this new railhead that we're building, you know, it allows all those trucks to stay off the rail or off the roadways and onto the rail. So, um, but, you know, as far as the award for our little engineering group, it's it's pretty impressive. We we all take it very seriously. We understand what it is, but it's also opened the eyes of some of the other folks within the port that don't really think about that. Um, yeah. you know, so it, it is a big deal for us, for sure. Oh, it's been really fantastic, Jeff. And it, it goes to kind of highlight, uh, we, we have really gone given our best to to give the best service we could to the South Carolina Ports Authority and having the project come out as well as it did uh, on time and under budget with a, a good a tremendous amount of, of value engineering cost savings and uh, a lot of schedule pressure we, we, we got the whole thing uh, a lot of re-engineering done and construction in the midst of the COVID epidemic which was really challenging uh and and to have 
to have accomplished that in in that in that time frame was was pretty amazing. And, and what it what it has meant to us, uh, a lot of port authorities talk, <clears throat> and you know as we can provide the best service to to one great client like South Carolina Ports Authority, uh, that that word can spread, and 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 hopefully it'll help us build our our uh, portfolio projects in, in, in program management and, and uh, owner's representative type work because we, we really feel that's a strong point for our company. So yeah, and, and this particular award has been just a, it, it's really fantastic. I'm really excited about uh, getting up to Washington DC for the ceremonies. Yeah, we look forward to seeing it. And uh, you know, I think you, you mentioned value engineering. I, I think it was $32 million total of, of, of money saved and finding efficiencies and different alternatives and, and things of that nature. So it wasn't just delivering the project, but it was also trying to figure out the most efficient Absolutely. way to do so. Uh, which is a, a testament to uh, to the work you guys did. I was going to say, Jeff, I, yeah, um, you know, Andy touched on it, but you, you can't, um, it, it's hard to explain how it all came together. Everybody uses that, you know, the buzzword collaboration. And um, let me tell you, this, that's the only way this project came together. And Andy and his team, you know, really helped, choreograph all of that with all of our contractors everybody was working together on this one and it would not have been successful if it wasn't for everyone pulling in the same direction um you know i i think from the port port authority you know we've we will accept a little bit more risk than some of your other owners um you know we have a little bit more flexibility in that we are willing to work with contractors and consultants and collaborate and partner more than I've, you know, I've worked with some other big state and federal agencies before, and it's a little bit more cumbersome. We're, we're a lot more nimble, but the reality is it was the contractors and the, you know, professional services team like HDR and Andy and all his folks that really made all this come together. And if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. I can promise you. Wow. That's a great point. Butch Weber, South Carolina Ports Authority, Andrew Thies with HDR. Thank you very much for uh, joining us to talk about the project. Congratulations. We look forward to seeing you in Washington, D.C. in just a little over four weeks' time. And it's going to be a fantastic evening to celebrate this great accomplishment. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much, Jeff. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Now I want to kind of pivot over to another project that HDR worked on now. Uh, this is an honor project, and I think this is a very interesting one because it's not only an infrastructure project, but it's something that really deals with another aspect of engineering, which is very near and dear to us, and it's something that we're focused on at ACEC, and that's how engineering can kind of break down historical barriers to opportunity and equity, and how the design environment can help bring communities together and create opportunities for communal space, for a, a more natural environment and what used to be just a, a concrete jungle. And what we're talking about right now is a project in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And as a Pennsylvania native, it's always nice to see um, uh, Pittsburgh kind of get a shout out here. But it's the I-579 Urban Open Space Cap. And this was both uh, kind of a, a, an infrastructure project as well as just capping 
essentially uh, uh, an underground or, or a subterranean uh, infrastructure area with an actual urban uh, open space and green space cap. Uh, and to talk to, about this project, very pleased to be joined by Nicholas Burdett. He is the Northeast Bridge Leader at HGR. And uh, Nicholas, thank you very much for joining us on the program. Absolutely, Jeff. No, thanks for having me. And I'm excited to be able to share some about this uh, really unique project. Uh, we're so honored uh, to be receiving this, this honor award um, for the project. Uh, yeah, let's go, let's go into, you know, how the project came about. Um, you know, how did the concept for the, for the cap uh, kind of come about? Because um, it's a very innovative use of what was just negative space um, inside of a, of a multiple highways kind of set in such a way where you had this uh, this cavern <laughs> of, of just opening in, a, in, 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 a, in an urban area. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was not a place that, uh, you know, people wanted to be uh, before the project. So I'll take you back. Um, it really kind of the seeds of the project uh, started in the early 1900s. So to sort of set the, the stage and the picture here, uh, you had, you know, downtown Pittsburgh developing with skyscrapers and, and all of the, uh, the opportunities for jobs and amenities that were there. And up through uh, the middle of the 1950s, um, you had a, a neighborhood called the Hill District. It was a predominantly African-American uh, community that, that came right up to the edge of downtown. There was really seamless integration between those two places. Um, but uh, un unfortunately, as happened in, in many cities around America, uh, in the late 50s, uh, there was this urban renewal uh, concept, um, and it, it hit Pittsburgh hard. They, they actually... Uh, raised uh, about 100 acres of the Lower Hill District, uh, displaced about 8,000 people, uh, and built a new civic arena there, uh, as well as a sea of parking lots. And as part of that development, they built uh, the Crosstown Boulevard, which was uh, basically became an interstate, interstate, Interstate 579, which, as you say, was a, a concrete canyon. It basically split downtown from this parking lot arena, and then behind that, the Hill District, uh, with, with 40, 50 foot tall concrete retaining walls and uh, four lanes of interstate. And so uh, it, it really completely changed access uh, for the neighborhood to downtown uh, and, and created a, a real barrier uh, between those two spaces. So, um, you know, HDR got involved with the project about 10 years ago um, and uh, local civic leaders um, and a number of organizations uh, came together, the Sports and Exhibition Authority of Pittsburgh really led the charge, uh, and HDR was able to assist in a, a Tiger Grant application. And so uh, the team was successful in getting a $19 million Tiger Grant, uh, really around the idea of using those funds, uh, those transportation dollars, to, to create a link that was going to unlock uh, the development potential of the, the former Civic Arena site. The Civic Arena was, was torn down, uh, leaving 28 acres to develop, and critically, the Hill District that, that had been uh, so isolated uh, by development in the late 50s. Yeah. I, you know, something like this requires a lot of collaboration, you know, like you mentioned, with, you know, the Hill District, uh, Civic Leaders there, and then Civic Leaders with the city. I mean, how did HGR work with the local community to kind of pitch the idea and, and, and kind of get stakeholder engagement and agreement on, on kind of writing this, not to say wrong, but this kind of, this situation that kind of just evolved over time and so much building in decades? 
Yeah, absolutely. No, great question, Jeff. And that was a key piece of the project was was kind of rebuilding trust and engagement around development because uh, understandably uh, the community was incredibly skeptical of development because that that's what had caused the problem uh, previously. So, you know, what, one of uh, HDR's values is to listen first. And I, I feel like that uh, was, was kind of on overdrive here. It was, it was really critical uh, to get input and to listen to, to what, what the needs of the neighborhood were as part of this. And it was clear the project was not gonna move uh, until there was was significant buy-in from uh, the civic leaders, especially those in the Hill District. So, uh, you know, did a number of, of design charrettes, uh, you know, moved meetings, not, you know, on a, on a site that's comfortable for the development group, but actually into the neighborhood uh, to make sure we were making it as accessible as possible. And honestly, one of the best things that the team did uh, was, was hire artists from the Hill District. So there was a, a concept of really making the park that was gonna be on top of the, the cap bridge structure, uh, making that a park that was really what the neighborhood wanted and, and integrating uh, some of the themes that the neighborhood identified uh, in, in terms of uh, some of the seating and the, the story walls that told the history of the neighborhood, uh, some of the significant um, uh, yeah, themes and, and, and ideals of the neighborhood were kind of woven into the park uh, through art and we had a team of four local artists from the Hill District who were hired to be part of the project team. So really going beyond listening, but actually saying, come come join us in, in creating this. Um, and, and that was, I think, a key piece to building that trust and, and making it apparent that this really was gonna be something that, that we wanted to be good for everyone um, as part of the development. You know, just like I asked uh, Bush and Andrew, I mean, from, from your perspective at HDR, you know, working on this project for for a number of years and seeing how it all came together, what does it mean to have it recognized in an awards program like EEA? Uh, it it means a whole lot, Jeff. Um, you know, I I think uh, I've I've been a, a bridge engineer for for twenty years. You know, I've, I've worked on a lot of bridges. Um, you know, this is the most impactful project I've been a part of. You know, to to feel like. It, it's a, a metaphorical bridge as well as a physical bridge um, and, and a, a mechanism for healing and restoration, you know, reconnection. Um, it, it's exciting uh, for that to be honored and, and recognized and really appreciate, um, you know, ACEC in, in, uh, in recognizing that. I, I also, you know, as, as uh, Andrew said, you know, this, this I feel like is, is just the start. Um, this is a, a problem uh, that happened in many cities. There's lots of places where, you know, uh, there was a lot of isolation as part of um, interstate development in the uh, 50s, 60s, 70s. Uh, and so uh, it's been exciting to be able to, uh, you know, coach, uh, advise, you know, be a little bit ahead of the game on that and, uh, and help other cities that are looking at how to fund these projects, um, how, to, how to overcome the technical challenges of building a, a, a bridge over interstate with soil and a park on top of it. Uh, there's definitely some unique pieces there. So it's, it's great uh, to be highlighted in this way. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it, it is a fantastic project, and I think it's a testament to, uh, you know, everybody looks at the project itself and the technical aspects or whether it was a efficient project management and delivery or it was an innovative design solution. Um, you know, those are all very important aspects to the awards program because it's, of course, excellence in engineering. But... The unspoken part is the lasting impact, positive impact that these projects have on communities, whether it's the Leatherman project with uh, the port 
greater opportunity in the state of South Carolina for economic development and, and, and attracting business, whether it's totally tearing down barriers to opportunity and, and mobility in, in a city like Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, it's amazing what your work does because it really does enhance life. Um, and I want to congratulate you on the project. And again, I also look forward to seeing you, uh, seeing you at the event. Absolutely, Jeff. Thanks. Yeah, I got measured for my tux, and I'm, I'm very excited to be there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to have a red carpet just like last time, right. so make sure to stop by and on your way into the uh, the event room, and, and we can uh, we can do another uh, uh, talk about the project and uh, get some photos taken. So make the most out of it. And, and, you know, keeping the theme, I mean, really, we're talking about, um, you know, economic development. We're talking about social uh, impact. Now we're talking about something else, which is a project that I have to tell you, I don't think there was a project during judging that had more debate surrounding it than the next project we're going to talk about. And this is another project in H, uh, from HDR, which is up in Billings, uh, Montana. And it is the... Uh, let me make sure I got this right, Craig. It's the Billings Nutrient Replacement Project, correct? Uh, nutrient Improvements and Expansion. Yep. My my apologies for that. Um, I, I I wrote that down wrong. But this I, I got to tell you something. It's just, this is this is a project that uh, there were a lot of engineers and a lot of experts in the judging room that were really just because everybody kind of gets up and makes an argument for and against and. Uh, 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 this one was competitive because I think of the impact it had on the, on the local economy and the local community in, itself, just from a, a quality of life standpoint. C you know, can you explain what the project is and, and, and how it came about? Yeah, so there's um, kind of three different areas of the project. So one, um, the city was facing new discharge requirements. So, and the main thing there was um, lowering their uh, nutrients in the effluent into the Yellowstone River. So that's reducing their nitrogen and phosphorus. So that was a big part of it. And then also, um, expanding the plant uh, to meet uh, um, future population growth. And then another thing was uh, just improvements throughout the plant um, for aging equipment, electrical, and control. So essentially the whole plant um, saw improvements. Yeah. But it really did have, a, I think that the, uh, the thing that kind of caught everyone's eye was the fact that you know, we, we look at a lot of projects that are in uh, urban areas, large urban areas, uh, you know, of course, New York, Los Angeles, you know, Pittsburgh to an extent, you know, as, as, as large areas, but we're talking about billings. You know, the, the, the quality of this project for the community that it serves, I think, is, is something that really stood out to people. Um, you know, what, what has been the reaction from civic leaders with this project now in place and now having, uh, you know, cleaner water as a result? Yeah, well, you know, we have a huge population of 100,000 here, maybe a little bit more. So big metro area for Montana, <laughs> about 10% of the whole population. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, just, you know, the environment is huge in Montana. Um, you know, a lot of outdoor activities and that kind of thing. And of course, 
water is a big part of that. So water is really important. And, you know, Montana itself has been kind of on the leading edge of, um, you know, setting uh, requirements for discharge uh, and specifically to nutrients. So, you know, this was, you know, being the largest city and having the largest wastewater plant, um, you know, this is a huge project um, to uh, knock down their nutrients and improve the water quality, you know, into the Yellowstone River. So, you know, a huge fishery and just important um, water body for all of Montana. So just, it was uh, just a really important project for that. Uh, what was the uh, reaction to uh, from from your client when you uh, got word that the uh, project won an honor award at uh, the EA awards? Yeah, it was a huge honor for you know the city, uh, for the client, and for ourselves. Um, you know, little old Montana here being recognized um, as uh, one of the top projects in the country. Um, you know, they were uh, really delighted, and we were excited too. Fantastic. It's a fantastic project. Um, I think that, you know, when everybody's coming down to the awards program, we have, of course, our big posters that have each project listed and has the details of each project. Make sure to seek this one out because it really did have a massive impact for the state and, and for, I mean, just the fact that water is so important, not just from an environmental standpoint, but also from an economic standpoint for, for Montana. And having a project like this, uh, especially to win an honor award, is, is just a, a great honor. Um, it has been great talking to, yeah, and it's been great talking to you all about these projects. Uh, all very well deserved honors. I look forward to seeing each and every one of you at the awards program. And I'll tell you what, I'm just going to speak to the people out there who haven't registered yet, because time is short. Tickets are available. It's going to be a fantastic evening of celebrating some of engineering's greatest accomplishments. Three projects here you've uh, uh, heard about today. And, of course, it's tied to the back end of the annual convention and legislative summit that happens in advance of the EEA program. We're running out of time for that, too. Registration is open. We encourage you to do so soon because we have great speakers. Governor Christie, we have uh, speakers from the World Economic Forum, CNBC's former chief economist, uh, a number of other education sessions, and our grassroots advocacy event up on the Hill where we can take our policy priorities right to the people who make the laws, your elected members of Congress. So make sure to register. Go to www.acec.org, and we will see you next month. And this has been an episode of Engineering Influence Podcast for the American Council of Engineering Companies, and we'll see you next time. What's up, everybody? John Dornboss here, and I know what you're thinking. Wait a minute. Is that the guy that played 14 years in the NFL? Eh, no big deal. Or you might be thinking, that's the magician from America's Got Talent. And I've seen him on the Ellen DeGeneres show. And there's a good chance you're looking at the screen right now going, I got no idea who you are, pal, nor do I really care. So let's just keep this puppy moving. It is time for the ACEC annual convention going from June 11th to June 14th. And if you haven't registered, what are you doing? Go to www.acec.org and register right now now this is the biggest event in engineering and you can have your voice heard by congress and let's face it you got a fantastic lineup of speakers 
including this guy. Definitely don't want to miss that one. Like I said, make sure you're registered, secure your ticket, and I will see all of you in June.